0: What's going on, everybody? This is Black Men Sundays. I'm your host, Corey Sylvester-Murray. We're talking about generational wealth. We're talking about financial literacy. And of course, we're talking about business. It's a black man, Sunday And before we introduce today's guest, my man Eric from Huntsville, Alabama. Who do you have for our Black Man Sunday Spotlight?
1: Elaine Farworth is the first African-American woman to own a luxury car dealership. And guess what that dealership is located? Right Hunts here Vegas. in Huntsville, Alabama. Yeah, as I said, she's the first one to own a luxury car dealership, which is a Lexus dealership. And according to Black Enterprise, Furworth joins an extremely small group of minority women who own dealerships in North America. Now, Ferdhurst little something about Ms. Furworth. Ms. Furhurst. she worked as a secretary for Motown Records and for the law firm of Goodman, Eden, and Rob before she was hired in 1968 as a secretary for the Ford Motor Company. Now, Furhurst remained at Ford for 17 years where she served as a marketing research analyst and she was promoted to a project manager. She left the position in 1986 and joined the Chrysler Corporation retail dealer development program after two years at Chrysler, Frohurst was named President and General Manager of the Cumberland Chrysler Plymouth Dealership in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Now, in 1992, she sold her shares in the Chrysler Plymouth Dealership and purchased a Dodge dealership in Huntsville. Yay! Furhurst then purchased a Nissan Infinity Dealership. In 1999, she purchased the um, Lexus dealership and became the first African-American female in North America to own an Affinity dealership slash Lexus dealership. That's my spotlight for today. Miss Elena Furris. And again, Corey, back to you.
0: Yeah, you just had to take it to Hunts, Vegas, but that was a good one, man. I and appreciate you. it. Yeah, that's good stuff, man. Well, hey, let's go on and introduce today's guest. We have Dr. Anthony Robinson. This brother's the owner of Writers ER. We're going to learn about what that is. This brother comes to us with two master's degrees. This brother has two doctorate degrees. This brother's also an author. He's the author of Unleashing the King and the Kid. This brother's also a teen life coach. This brother came highly recommended. So Dr. Anthony Robinson, welcome to Black Men Sundays, brother. How you doing?
2: I'm doing very well. Um, it's, a, it's a beautiful day um, and, and I'm excited to be able to um, talk to you today and um, just kind of share uh, share a little bit about me. So I'm excited about
0: that. Is higher education still necessary these days? Because a lot of brothers are saying, okay, after I graduate from high school and I go to college, I'm accumulating debt. And then brothers are saying, I'm not even learning anything when I go to college. So is higher education still necessary to achieve generational wealth?
2: I wouldn't say it's necessary to to accumulate generational wealth. Um, it is a it's, it's a great path, uh, but it's not the only path. And so um, that's a that's a very great question. I think I think it all depends on what it is that you want to accomplish. You know where and how you want to get to where you ultimately want to be. There, are some fields, some industries, some jobs that require a degree of some sort require experience. Uh, but but also on that same on that same note um you brought up a good point in terms of accumulating debt it's important that you count the costs because when i was going through the process you know being a low income first generation student um i know firsthand that there are many students out there who they take a lot of money uh, just to get by right just to pay pay rent just to buy food just to cover the costs that that are incurred uh, for for you know as part of going to school and so it's very important to count the cost of you know f- for that process to determine if it's worth if it's worth it uh, because to that point uh, oftentimes it's not in, in many of these degrees you're just taking courses you don't really know what you want to do and at the end of the day it's not worth it and so i think it's it's important to count the cost and it is it is necessary you know for some industries but i wouldn't say that it's it's a requirement to accumulate generational wealth because as you you see it week in and week out on this uh very podcast, there are individuals who and there there's paths pathways to getting to reaching that point without having, you know, a four year or, you know, master's degree or even doc, doctoral degree. So I think you have to count the cost, but also consider the the path to the ultimate end that you want to achieve in your life
0: okay great answer yeah because you know like i said our show's about generational wealth and we talk about financial literacy as well um but you know doing some research on you it says you went from being a c student to completing two dissertations in less than six months i mean come on now what's the cheat code there
2: (laughs) well there there isn't there isn't a cheat code uh, but yes i mean that's the reality is that when I got, you know, in in high school, you know, I was a, you know, a barely average student. And, you know, when I got to college, you know, consistently, you know, C C student, master's degree, C student. But I think once I got to my doctoral programs, you know, I I really discovered some some strategies, right? Some some things in terms of mindset, some things in terms of, you know, being able to complete. Um, assignments without buying into the midst of what, you know, what they, what they were teaching me in terms of reading hundreds of articles or reading, you know, all of the books. Uh, for me, I think it started first and foremost with the mindset in terms of, you know, how to, how to get through that process. And I'll give you an example, you know, when I was going through my doctoral uh, journey, uh, there were times where for my first dissertation was on African-American males and higher education. And the the common denominators that led to their success and persistence in higher education, and one of my committee members said that my research was making making excuses for African American men and making them, in her words, leaners. and and so uh, I could have, like many students, got discouraged and got frustrated and and took that that personally. But one of the things that I teach is is the importance of having a relentless mindset, right? And so for me, uh that that looked like okay. I, she's saying X, Y, and Z, but I'm not going to buy into to that. I'm not going to give that life because I had a relentless mindset. And so uh, for me, going from a C student to completing two doctoral degrees, I think it's first and foremost started with my mindset because you show me someone who is successful in life uh, by whatever measure that they deem is uh, successful, or the The world deems it successful i would i would show you someone who has a certain type of mindset and so for me it started first and foremost with with the mindset to never allow disappointment or failure or struggle to weigh me down um and and it started with that mindset for me
0: i feel like the mindset comes up in every one of our shows um and i I think it's important because i feel like you know generational well mental health are very hot topics that a lot of people are talking about right now but you did make a great point that I do want to transition to when we're talking about education it does take a special mindset to say okay I have a bachelor's but I'm going to get a master's it takes another mindset to be able to write a dissertation to be able to even have the idea of wanting to get a PhD or a doctorate so you know you're the owner of writer's ER Tell us what that is. Why did you create that, and how it's helping brothers?
2: Writers ER is a is a doctoral uh, support company, and I say doctoral support company because you have uh, many people who edit out there. You have many people who provide coaching support out there, and you even have companies out there who provide uh, writing support in the process. But for us, it's we we like to take a holistic approach, um, and so we do that by providing. Uh, full support, so uh, editing, coaching, uh, and training support, in addition to some some writing support. Uh, we don't do the research for, for them, but in this process, there, we found out that there are, like you said, mental health. That's a big issue in this space. And I, I started Writers ER, um, and I'll go back uh, for a second. I started Writers ER because I learned at some point in the process that most students who start the process don't end up finishing, and there are many uh, studies out there that show that about forty-three percent of students w- will not complete their doctoral degrees in a ten-year time span. That's almost a fifty percent uh, failure rate, and fifty thousand it equates to fifty thousand students dropping out of programs every single year. So what we're doing uh, for uh, for students and the students that do finish, right? It takes them anywhere from 4, 5, 10 years to get through this process. And the large majority, if you uh, dive down deeper into the, this, the numbers, you will see that a large percentage are African Americans in this space. And so what we're doing is we are taking this process that is is not necessarily designed for untraditional students. We're helping students navigate this process by giving them tips and strategies and even support on making it through the process in a much quicker time frame. And what that equates to, in many instances, is as little as and even beyond $108,000 saved in tuition costs. And so we're providing full support, including mental health uh, support, and we do that by providing students access to a licensed counselor, uh, because we found that students are dealing with what, some of the things that are are preventing these students from making th- making it through this process is oftentimes not, you know, their their ability to write, which that is a, a big one, or their ability to research, or them not being uh, having the uh, the um, ability, you know, from a from a. A technical standpoint, but some of the things that are preventing students from getting through this process are things such as, you know, academic hazing, uh, things such as depression, things such as anxiety, fear, um, having the imposter syndrome. So, all of these mental components, oftentimes preventing students from making it through this process. So, we're providing more so of a holistic support to that applies not only to doctoral learners, but uh, college students in general, uh, because uh, one of the things that I that I found is that uh, forty, I believe, about forty percent of students report uh, dealing with some form of mental, uh, mental health issues, and so uh, we're providing a holistic level of support to help students get through this process much quicker, saving them money, uh, but also uh, helping them to get through it with with a whole lot less stress and frustration in the process.
0: Doing a little research, I saw, uh, I see that you're a teen life coach as well. Um, you also yes, have sir. a nonprofit, My Bridge BR, with the number one DGE. I thought that was unique in the spelling. Talk about why you became a life coach, and talk about uh, My Bridge.
2: Absolutely. Um, I don't uh, do anything with My Bridge uh, now, uh, but I, I did start uh, the mentor program because you know, in line with my first dissertation, I'm a I'm a big advocate on uh, mentoring, and you know, I'm I'm a product of. Of very having various mentors you know people who have helped me navigate uh life and and get to the place of where I am today and so my bridge um and that that idea and I may do a foundation with that but my bridge is every one of us needs a bridge to get to where we ultimately want to be anyone who says you know oftentimes when we're looking at someone's success story we we think that they were sometimes it looks like they were overnight success. Uh, there's no such thing. And, and I, one of my uh, pet peeves is, is hearing people say, uh, well, I, I pulled myself up by my own bootstraps. None of us gets to, to where we are um, at any level of success by ourselves. There was someone who sold something to us. There was something that we read. There was something that we learned. Uh, and so we didn't get somehow uh, magically Uh, Develop these things in ourselves one hundred percent, and so my bridge kind of takes that idea uh, from you know helping someone get from where they are to ultimately where they want to be, and and we all need a bridge to to navigate that process. And mentors are a great way to be that are a great way to to navigate that process of getting to where we we are to ultimately where we want to be. And so for me, mentoring is is big, you know. I, I listen to you know some of your podcasts and you know many of the guys they talk about the importance of uh, mentoring and so for me that's that's why mentoring has always been uh, near and dear to my heart and and i came became a life uh, a certified team life coach because because of that belief uh because of you know one of the things that that i i realized you know somewhere along my journey is that there are a lot of mentors out there or mentor programs. Uh, and and you know like big brother big sister and my brother keeper but what what there isn't a lot of out there are uh, life coaches or coaches in general that are teaching and training uh, students and very you know in in the areas of such as financial uh, literacy and areas such as you know coding and programming and and all of these different areas of of, of life budgeting and so there are things that that students and, and teenagers particularly can learn that will help them be better leaders, that will help them to be leaders and, and help them to be, you know, great fathers and and great mothers. And so those types of things are, are things that I believe that need to be poured into students. And is is ultimately one of the reasons why I wanted to become a, a certified teen life coach, is because. Uh, It's our next generation that we have to pour into and be strategic about that, not just being their friends, but teaching them uh, these key skills and and, um, you know, these key skills and and develop cultivating in them uh, these um, competencies that will help them to ultimately get to where they want to be.
0: Great. I'm glad you mentioned mentoring, because that actually was my next question. You know, you know, I've had plenty of guests talk about mentoring because I feel like there's so many brothers in our communities or they leave our communities, move in these nice gated communities, and they don't really come back at all. But how can brothers not just be a mentor, but how can they be an example for high school and college underprivileged students?
2: Well, how how can they be? It's just to take that action, right? Um, I think oftentimes, if you talk to 10 uh, 10 people, uh, probably eight or nine out of 10 Will talk, you know, tell you how important mentoring is, but if you, you know, survey all of these pro- mentor programs out there, what you will find is that their biggest challenge is finding mentors, right? So we all believe that mentoring is important, but we're we're not all uh, so quick to go do the work. It, it, it reminds me of that scripture that says the harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few and the same applies with mentoring we all you know believe that it's important but not many of us are 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 about that action and so the the first step is just doing it right putting putting our our uh service where our mouths are and and so i think that's that's the key part is just taking that action you know finding someone to 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 mentor and it, it doesn't have to take a lot of a lot of time um it can it can be being strategic and calling someone, or, or you know, uh, pouring into someone's uh, a piece of knowledge, a piece of wisdom, um, and, and so I think the 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 key part is just doing the work, um, going it, you know, going into the local schools, going into the churches. There are kids all around us, and so I think we just have to how we do that is is looking beyond ourselves, and and being intentional about you know pouring it to to the life of somebody else, Um, a kid, uh, someone in our space, you know, if we're at the top of our space or, you know, even in the middle, there's someone that's coming behind us and it's giving them that piece of wisdom, that piece of advice, that piece of encouragement that will ultimately help them to be a little bit better in the area of of where they are and ultimately as they navigate to where they want to be. And so just taking that step, you know, having that mindset of how can I help someone else get to where they want to be? How can I s- share my knowledge, you know, share my wisdom? And, and we may not be the best in our fields, but we have to understand that, you know, all of our experiences are not for us. You know, our experiences, uh, we went through those things, not for us but for oftentimes for someone else. And so all of the things that we did go through, we can talk to someone else about to, to help them not have to go through that same thing um, and so wherever we are and whatever we've gone through, we can um share those experiences with someone else behind us. And so just taking that step and having that mindset of service and and pouring it to someone else, I think is really the 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 first step of of doing that work of mentoring.
0: For me, I've been mentoring for about a good solid 10 years now, where I'm actually dedicating time, starting to dedicate some finances to different community centers. But one thing that I notice on a regular basis is most times outside of the the leaders of that community center or that school, I'm the only Black man, if not the only man in there, period. And I'm seeing this from community centers. I'm seeing this at a high school, at a middle school, at an elementary school level. It blows me away. So what can we do to encourage Black men to be mentors because we're not I'm not seeing a lot of us doing that
2: it's hard to be what you what you didn't see um or, or and it's hard to be what you can't see and so I think and, and it's this I, I have the same experience you know there there was a time uh now she's a little bit too old um to where she gets embarrassed but there was a time where I would go to to my daughter's school you know a few times a week and eat lunch eat lunch with her and you know just you know, sit down with her and talk to her, and I would look around and 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 see the same thing you know uh and the reality is that oftentimes, especially in a black community um as it relates to black males, the percentages are way too high uh where the fathers aren't active or present in their in their um their kids' lives, but it's not that they don't necessarily want to be um oftentimes it's because they don't have that 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 knowledge or that context because they didn't have it themselves. And so I think the first thing as it relates to encouraging black males to to do that, I think we have to show, show them that, right? Um, Create the, you know, create programs that teaches these men how to do, you know, how to be involved or how to go about pouring into their kids and showing them, you know, mentoring them, right? You know, having programs that mentor men. Um, and so I think we have to uh, lead by example, you know, showing them what that looks like. You know, um, pouring into to men. So there, there are other men in your circle. There are other men in my circle, and just shining a shining a light on that. I, 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 oftentimes, I don't think there's enough light show, that, that is shined upon. You know, men like yourself that are that are serving as mentors that that are highlighting the work that you're doing. In the community, and so I think one of the things that we can do is to do a better job of shining that light um, and bringing exposure to um, the work that brothers like yourself um, are doing in the community, uh, because that that can only serve as a motivation and encouragement to other brothers to go out and do do the same. And so, um, oftentimes we are. You know, we like to do what we what we see and and do what we think is is cool and in and and so I think you know fraternities can do can do uh, be a vehicle uh, to doing that. I think the media can be a vehicle to highlighting uh, that, um, but also I think um, you know the churches can also serve serve in that capacity as well and, and encouraging uh, men to to do that. And so I think that's a that's a key component of it is is helping them to see that path right uh something that they that they may not have themselves have seen as they were raised you know having their fathers present in their life or having you know seeing men do that um, i think as a get as a key step in that direction of encouraging you know more men to black men in particular to to serve as mentors and and to be those uh, agents of change in the community.
0: You're also the author of Unleashing the King in the Kid. Talk about the impetus yes. of that book, why you wrote it.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's it's along these same lines uh, in terms of mentoring. I I oftentimes say that it was it was mentor, you know, I didn't have, you know, grew up in a home with with a where we had a lot of money or a lot of a lot of things, but I had a phenomenal have a phenomenal mother who um you know worked very hard to make sure that we didn't know that we were you know that we we didn't always have the the best things um so, she worked very hard to to create a comfortable uh, life for us and so even though i didn't have those things and i wasn't always the smartest and i wasn't always the you know i didn't always have the 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 best things or the most things what i did have throughout my life was i had mentors and i had people who invested in me and who, who encouraged me and motivated me to be uh, better. And so that's why, you know, starting my bridge was very important to me. That's why becoming a team, a certified teen life coach was important to me. And that's why ultimately writing Unleashing the King and a Kid was important to me because I wanted to uh, put something out in the world, in the earth, that highlighted the importance of mentoring right um, to that very point a question that you asked just a moment ago how can we encourage people well I, I wanted to write a book that shined a light on the importance and the value of mentoring and a lot of it you know was our, a lot of it was my story but what i what i did is i highlighted the stories of other african-american men who have achieved you know great significance in their lives and uh, experienced great accomplishments in their lives and i highlighted their stories you know one of those stories was was a guy uh, from you know ohio who 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 works and lives in ohio right now and you know he talked you know in the book i talk about you know how you know the difference between you know even he and his brothers and you know one of the differences was he people and just like in my life people spoke to the positive in me. And they spoke to the positive in him and they expected great things out of him. And that's one of the values of mentoring um, that I wanted to highlight in that in that book, Unleashing the King and the Kid, is that um, oftentimes, you know, we don't realize the importance of our words. And so when I'm looking at kids, I'm, I'm looking at them, you know, there may be a kid in, in the group who is influencing the group but in a negative way and so I would talk to I will talk to that kid and be like you have a great level of influence when you speak these other kids they they're looking at you and they're following you but the wrong way. but just like you can you can have influence in the wrong way, you can also have influence in the right way. Um, and so uh, the value of mentoring that I speak to in that book is the is the power of of those words you know, speaking, helping, helping this young, this young person to frame something that he otherwise would not be able to frame in that way. And so that's why I wanted to write Unleashing the King and the Kid is because I'm, I'm a very big believer in the value of mentoring and speaking into young people's lives and encouraging them and, and ultimately giving life to what God has already placed inside of them and helping them to frame it the right way.
3: Dr. Anthony, uh, thanks for your time. I have a uh, a question that it goes along with how I think in the situation that I'm in right now. And I just wanted to know if you believe this should be, you know, law in America today, which would, I think, would fix some of the things that you guys were talk- talking about and pointing out as far as the mentoring of men. I believe this and I and I want to ask this question. Do you think that if a man and woman have a child and that child is a is a son, they have a they have a boy, that by law it should be required to be raised by his father if the parents split up. Wow.
2: That's a that's a because, first, because, a first go ahead. because
3: because, because the child normally goes with the mother and we all know that a woman can raise a, a man yes but he, she cannot teach a man how to be a man and i think that because of the women get put on this responsibility to be to raise their children to raise men the father just get to go willy-nilly and it would it would it would create responsibility for these fathers like if i have a child I just can't run anymore because by law that child is going to come with me. It's going to be required to be with me. That's kind of how the mindset that I had when me me and the mother of my children split up. I got I took my boys with me because I wanted to raise them and I wanted to I wanted to be the man that they looked up to and that they that they knew that at the end of the day I'm responsible and I'm obligated to take care of you. I got your best interest at heart, so that's the question that I have.
2: No, I, I appreciate your question, James, and and um, you know, your sent. I share your sentiment in terms of, you know, a, a man having the ability to, uh, o- only a man having ability to teach a man how to be a man. Um, mm-hmm. you know, this is coming from someone who who was who was raised in a single parent home by by my mom. I did. not I wasn't raised you know, by um, my father or have a relationship, you know, with, with my father. Um, so I definitely agree with you in that regard. I think it would be hard to make it, make it a law, you know, even though for me personally, if I, you know, I, I don't have a son, uh, but, but if I, if I had a son or, and, and a uh, guy willing, you know, when I, when I have a son, I'm going to be able to pour certain things into him. And I'm going to be intentional about pouring uh, certain things into him, especially um, with the condition of of America. But at the, you know, at ultimately, I think, you know, the idea of, of the of the courts is is to, you know, which you know, I'm not a professional in a, in that regard. Is to is to do what's what's best in the best interest of of that of that child. And I don't think they always get it right. Uh, to to you know, to the sentiments that you raise and and that I that I agree with and share, um, but. Um, if a man wants to be a p- part of that that child's life, I think by all means he should be be able to do that and have the ability to do that because there is something that a man can give a child whether whether it's a boy or a girl um, that that no one else can give um, a perspective that no one else can can give, and so and I think that's very important. I think that's very crucial, and I think that's very commendable uh, for for you. Um and, and there's oftentimes this myth that that I definitely don't want to um hope I, I you know don't contribute to in my in my previous um statement that there's a myth that that black men aren't aren't active in our kids' lives and and they aren't involved because there are uh, many of us out there who are involved and in, and in, and encouraged to to be involved in our kids' lives. And we are doing a great job in that in that regard. And so um any notion that uh doesn't exist is a myth and it's and it's not true. Um so I would just say I would just say it's hard it will be hard to make it a law, but if that man has the ability and a wherewithal and, and um the desire to be involved in that child's life, he absolutely should be given the full right uh to, to do that. And it shouldn't be uh, such a quick rush to um just um give give that responsibility and that ability to to the mother of of that child appreciate that I appreciate brothers out there like James who are um, doing that and, and wanted to be involved in those um those kids lives and and destroying that um that uh, stereotype for sure so I, I definitely appreciate that
0: but for brothers that are saying listen you know when we talk about generational wealth finance and business for you, home ownership, renting, stocks. What are you investing in? Let's talk a little money before I let you get out of here.
2: Obviously, I, ha- I have my company and so the biggest investment that I have right now is in in my company. Um and and it's, a, it's an asset, right? Um and so uh, for me that's that's very important, you know, investing in things, you know, businesses. Um I I also like to invest in, you know, like startups you know, and, and, and that type of thing from, so for me, I'm more so of a, you know, I, I I listened to one of your podcasts, uh, a guy that not too long ago who spoke about, you know, the importance of investing. So I'm not an expert in investing yet. Um, And so, but that is, that is an area that I'm looking to explore, um, you know, my company. And it's very important for many reasons, right? Uh, You talk about you know, earlier in the conversation, you spoke about generational wealth. What is education the only path towards generational wealth? And, you know, it, it absolutely is not. If you look at um, one of the things that, that I've been taught, if you look at, you know, and I think the guy last week, you know, talked about, you know, talked a little bit about this. But if you look at people who have, you know, great wealth in the country, they have some type of investment in business, right? Um he mentioned that, you know, most people gain their wealth through, you know, through uh having, you know, being on a on a job. Um I haven't seen I haven't seen, you know, seen seen that, but what I what I do know is that people who have the, the greatest wealth have some type of investment in a company, um, be it a company of their own or some other uh type of uh company and so uh for me um and and from what what i've been taught is is that it's very important to have different investments because um and have assets right things that make money and so um when you when you see people who have a lot of liabilities you know they they go out and you know the the guy last week he talked about people spending money on dumb stuff right and that's liabilities right we oftentimes we like to go out there and spend money on you know, things that don't do anything for us, you know, we can spend money on on a good meal, we can spend money on shoes, we can spend money on clothes, but none of those things do anything for us. And so uh, one of the things that I, kind of my approach is investing in assets, accumulating assets, uh, things that can make money and reproduce Itself for me, and so um, one. You know, my company is a big thing, um, investing in startups. Uh, but one of the thing areas that I want to get into is real estate as well. So, like I said, I'm not heavy into the area of investing yet, but it is something that I'm learning more about, so that I can, you know, make my make my money uh, work for me.
0: Definitely, yeah. And just and so for brothers out there or sisters listening as well. They say, "Listen, I'm trying to get a PhD. How can I contact Writers ER?"
2: You know, you can find out more information about us at www.writerser.com, and uh, we're everywhere on social media. We have a YouTube channel at dis- Dissertation ER. Um, we're also on um, Instagram, uh, Dissertation ER, um, and so we're all over the web. Uh, you can find me, but www.writerser. Is the best place uh, to to find us, and and we have a Facebook group. Uh, you can find us the same the same way on uh, Facebook as well.
0: But for brothers that say, "Listen, there's no need for me to get a PhD or a master's. I'm fine. I don't even need a degree." But then there's brothers that say, "Listen, I want to get a PhD, a master's. What mm-hmm. advantages, from a financial perspective, what advantages does having a PhD give you over brothers that don't?" From a financial well, perspective,
2: here's a difference. You know, let's say you're in education, right? Most of the people who, especially in the African American community, um, they're going to more times than not, particularly women, be in some uh, capacity of education. And so, uh, when you talk, when you look at the numbers, the numbers just say that a person with a PhD or a doctorate in education or whatever, and a person without. Typically makes between twenty and thirty thousand dollars more per year, and so just from that standpoint alone, uh, you'll be able to earn more money every year. Um, obviously, you have to decide, right, if it's in the long run in your field if it's going to, you know, be beneficial. But just at a foundational level, you're going to make between twenty and thirty thousand dollars more by having a PhD or a doctorate degree. Than if you did not have one, I would just you know say that for for us, you know, I definitely appreciate you having me on on the podcast, and um, it's always a pleasure to be able to share um, share experiences, you know. But if you're going through you know the educational process, uh, w- whether it be at a bachelor's level, master's level, or even you know a doctoral level, there are some things that we don't oftentimes think about. And that's that's the education in general isn't always built and geared for you know our success and so it's going to be important to have a plan you know to to have a way when you're dealing with you know being able to identify what you're experiencing in education because I just went through undergrad and had was oblivious to what was going on around me and what I was ex- experiencing and it wasn't until I got and to the doctoral part of my journey to where I started to realize you know the things that was happening around me but because I always had because I had the right mindset I was able to navigate but oftentimes as students we don't always have the right mindset or awareness to navigate successfully so my encouragement to 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 the audience and anyone listening is to develop find people who have been where you ultimately want to be and, and develop a plan and strategy for how you're going to navigate. Don't be an island. Don't try to go through by yourself. It's all, and don't let anyone convince you that asking for help um, is for suckers, you know, or asking for help is a bad thing. Find someone who's been where you are and where you wanna be um, and, and allow them to help you get there um, in whatever area of life, and partic- particularly in education as well. Um.
0: So again, thank you uh, for this opportunity and the time. After looking at your bio, you said that there's a separating factor, often known as the know-how of obtaining their dreams. So for fathers out there, for parents out there listening, how can they maximize their children's full potentials?
2: You know, if you don't know, or you didn't experience, go find the information in a book, in a mentor, in a program. Or whatever it may be at a baseline level how to do that is to be intentional you know so what what do you want to see working backwards right what do you want to accomplish what do you want to see what what do you hope to learn and then going out to map out a plan to do that reading books you know finding information on, online you know finding people right who have who who you admire who, who's done what you ultimately are trying to accomplish and and learning from from those resources learning from those individuals and so how we do that is being intentional you know so so for me you know one of the things that I want to see I don't want my daughter to struggle you know f- from a financial uh, standpoint so finding resources right on how to how to help her to learn you know how to manage manage money or think about money or whatever the, the case may be so one of the things i did was i went out and bought a game a game um like monopoly uh called cash flow by um robert kiyosaki uh created this game and it's a lot like monopoly but what it's doing is it's teaching about from a, from a kid standpoint or a base a basic standpoint even to adults Teaching people about money and investing and all of these different things. So, um, I think first understanding what you want to accomplish, but finding resources and things and people who can teach you how to teach your teach your kids. So, being very intentional, I think, is the way that we can we can do that. Um, and so, I, I think you know, for me, you know, there was some things that I didn't learn uh, from that could have been taught by my father, um, but there, but that. I didn't use that as an excuse not to be able to, and I don't use that as an excuse not to be able to teach my daughter or teach other young males um, how to, you know, how to navigate their lives. And so I just think being intentional and having a heart uh, to learn, you know, having a mind to want to get better um, with whatever we have, wherever we are, um, we we have experiences. And so just having that bright mindset and that heart. To teach and to encourage and to be better every day.
0: All right. Well, last question for you, Doctor Anthony Robinson. Did you enjoy your time on Black Men Sundays, brother?
2: Oh, absolutely, man. I I'm going to be listening uh, listening to your your podcast because every every time I've listened, you know, I've I've gained something of value. Heard the story of someone who I was like, man, I would love to meet that brother. Um, and so that's that's my my experience. I, I, so I'm absolutely enjoying it. I appreciate uh, the opportunity.
0: Oh, definitely. If there's anybody that you'd want to link up with, let me know. Because with Black Men Sundays, I always say we have a spider web effect. They're not just guest speakers. You're not just a guest speaker. If a brother wants to link up with you. If a brother wants to email you. If a brother wants to get some mentoring from you. And from all of our guests, this is really the reason why I do this podcast. Because I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to do my part as well, get the information out there. Because for so long, you know, we weren't taught this in school. And for so long, brothers just... We're just going about it the hustler with the hustler's mentality. So, you know, by having brothers on here like yourself, giving phenomenal advice, and you know, I'm just trying to push the needle forward this way. So I appreciate you coming on Black Men Sundays, Dr. Anthony Robinson, and enjoy the rest of your day, brother. We out of here.
2: You do the same, and I'm definitely going to take you up on that. I'll be reaching out to you a lot. Hey, man, I love to connect with this brother. So definitely will.
0: It's a Black man. Sunday.
2: found these things to oh.